Someone asked me this morning, is this right, this scripture? Meaning, we just read this two weeks ago, people. Are we going to hear this again? Yes, we're hearing it again. If you don't know already, if you haven't grown up in the church, like this, this is the central scripture for our faith. Usually we only hear that first verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, may have everlasting life. And I think it's, it's very incomplete without the rest of it. I mean, the, the, the first one is easy to memorize, but the rest of it is incredibly important, and we may talk about that later. But first, I want to I share some things, and I really appreciate a friend of mine who shared a little bit of this with me. I'm going to roll some of these out for you, not all of them. Selected negative teaching evaluations of Jesus the Christ, okay? So if you are a teacher and you've been evaluated, here are some negative teaching evaluations of Jesus the Christ. Very inconvenient class. Holds lectures on top of mountains in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, but never close to the main campus. Inconsistent attendance policy. Said we had to be in class by 9 a.m. every day. Over half the class showed up late or didn't attend until the last meeting, but we all got the same participation grade. You got to have some biblical knowledge here to get some of these people, so you might want to bone up. So, okay, here's the last one I want to share today. He's nice enough, I guess, but he doesn't vet his teaching assistants. They all provide completely different, conflicting lecture notes. <laughs> Tip. Try to get into Luke's section. There you go. I thought those were pretty good. Thanks, Brent, for sharing those with me. Those are, uh, those are very, very good, and, and there's a bunch more. I'm going to share those throughout Lent because we're going to be focused on who is the Redeemer and why is it that Jesus is the Redeemer, and we're going to be, we're going to be sort of rolling through all of that. And so, as you've noticed, the last few weeks I've been starting out with humor just because we've been, we've been talking about some pretty serious stuff, some pretty heavy-duty stuff that we don't necessarily like to think about because the real question, I think, for most of us is, is, I don't need redemption, do I? I'm good. I don't do bad things. Well, if you've been following along with the catechism, again, we've been working through the New City Catechism. We started out with, who are we? Right, what is our what is our purpose to glorify God and enjoy God forever? That's not the answer in here, but that's close enough. It's the West, first question of the Westminster Confession. What is the chief end of humankind? You're gonna have this memorized, I swear, by Easter. Okay, by Easter, work on it, people. To glorify God and enjoy God forever. So we started out there. And then, we, and then we began to talk about who God is. Who God is. And what we realized, and this is one of the things that you, you'll sometimes hear me say, is I wish we were actually called Trinitarians rather than Christians sometimes. I think that, well, and, and in a lot of denominations, we get so Jesus-centric that we forget about God of whom Jesus is a part. So God is a trinity. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit in that traditional language. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. When Jesus talks about God, Jesus is talking to God the Father, who, who Jesus called Abba. And that is why we call God Father, because that is how Jesus addressed God. So it's not a gender thing, it's a, it's a parental role kind of thing. 
So this get that straight, that it's a very much a parental role. In the scripture, God the Father has attributes of what we would traditionally think of as motherhood. And in the scripture, God will even, you know, be called like a mother hen and this sort of thing. So it's not about gender or gender roles. It is more about a parental role, if we want to try it in that way, to understand it more in that way, to get our little brains around it. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Each one of them is part of everything that each one of them does. That's the, that's the hard part, I think, for us, is that God the Father is part of salvation. Jesus is part of salvation. The Spirit's part of salvation. Jesus is part of creation. The Spirit's part of creation. God's part of creation, okay? And all of that. The Spirit is part of leading us into all truth. Jesus is part of leading us into God. I mean, so just, it's, it's a difficult concept. And people get very confused by the Trinity. And it, it, because it just, it's very, it's a very subtle, sophisticated kind of theology. But it's very important because because we are Trinitarians. We worship one God, but in, within that God, is a, it's a relationship, and it's the three in one, again, which trips us up. So, so where am I going with this? Oh, yes. Okay, so here's God. And then it begins to go back to us. And a back, to, back to the nature of us. And we learn, and we learn in the Catechism, we learn a little more about the first Adam, the first human, that's really, Adam really means, and this is, we have a friend who, because our son is Adam, will say, hey, mud man, how are you? Because that's really what Adam means, is it's like this being made of mud that this God creates out of the dust, right? We're in Lent, you're made of dust, and to dust you shall return. God breathes into that first human, Adam. And then Adam and Eve in that story, what, what is called the fall, right? They, they disobey God. Well, maybe back up. God creates and God says it's good, it's very good. Genesis 1. Genesis 3, we have the story of the fall. Never called that out um, inside of the scripture, but outside of the scriptures we call it the fall. And this is where Adam and Eve are tempted um, to, to disobey God and they decide, and they do that. They decide to disobey God. And because Adam is the prototype for all of us, we are all then afflicted with sinfulness, with brokenness. You know, that's a tough sort of thing, but that is how it is. Because then, fast forward, the second Adam, who is who? Who's the second Adam? If the first one is Adam, the second one who brings in the new creation is, what's his name? It's always the answer in church. Jesus. Jesus is the second Adam. Jesus redeems us. Right? He carries all of that sinfulness. And because he gives his life in this perfection, in this, in this perfect obedience to God, we believe then that he redeems us and gives us a new life, free from sin, free to live into being who we were created to be. And yet, there's this both and sort of thing here, right? That we are still broken. 
We still commit sins, and we still live in sin, even though we have been set free. Again, this is, this is where people get tripped up a lot. Because it's, it's not easy, necessarily, to just roll it out and, and talk about it. But what I love about the Jesus story is that Jesus, of course, is a member of the Trinity. There at creation, we're told in the Gospel of John. There in the beginning of all things. There through all of these things. And, and Jesus does not take that status as something to be held on to, but it says in the Scripture that he pours himself out. He becomes human. He takes on the form of a slave. He comes in fleshed in order that we might be redeemed. Jesus pours himself out. He doesn't come as a conquering hero, which is what, through the stories of the scripture, people wanted him to be. They wanted the Messiah, they wanted the Christ to be someone who would overthrow the Romans, who would bring back the theocracy of God, and would make everything right with basically a flaming sword and a white horse and all those kind of you know, metaphors that we want. But that's not how Jesus came. Jesus came in, and why we celebrate the birth of Jesus is because he came as a child, vulnerable. He became a refugee. He was an itinerant preacher, basically. A rabbi with no synagogue. <laughs> And he obeyed God perfectly, or so we believe. He came as a child, a frail human of flesh and bone, so that he could be our Redeemer. And I love that word, Mark Deaver, in this book, as he comments on this. It says, Jesus re-deems, resets our value. Like I was talking about before, those green stamps, they had value because the, the store said they had value. So you were able to hand that in and get something. Jesus handed his life in and gave us all a new life because he was the second Adam. He represented all of us, just as the first Adam represented all of us. And what Jesus rescues us from or redeems us from is what we believe and what we've been taught through the catechism and through our doctrine is that we are in bondage to sin, that it is, it's part of our nature. It's, it's like, perhaps we might say it's like a fish in water. The fish doesn't probably know that the water is even there. It's like us in the air. We don't really realize that we're breathing oxygen. It's just there. We learn that, but if we didn't have that knowledge, it's just, it's here, right? It's, it's all around us. We, we, we don't know it's there, but it is just part of us. That's, that's sin and the bondage to sin. Is that it's just, it's just built in for whatever reason. It has infused us in a particular way. And so Jesus rescues us from this state of being in bondage and sets us free from that sin. So that we can choose then this new life. We've been given this new life, but we can choose to live into this new life and stop serving ourselves first and foremost. Stop serving our first, our needs and our desires, which often lead to destructive, hurtful things. Jesus redeems, resets our value brings us back into the covenant of God. 
So who's the Redeemer? It is Jesus, the Christ, the only Son of God, the eternal Son of God, in whom God became human and bore the penalty of sin himself. Jesus lived that obedient life, a life that completely trusted God the Father to do what it was that Jesus was sent and poured himself out to do. And so what does that mean for us? It means, I think, that we can just be a lot more honest with ourselves. We can look at ourselves in the mirror and we can really see ourselves in all of our brokenness. As we would say, right? Warts and all. That we can, we can really look at ourselves and and we can see ourselves in, in our completeness, in the beauty and the joy and the goodness of, of being this beautiful creation of God, and also in the brokenness of the things that we choose, where we choose over and above other people, or where we create systems of inequity and injustice, where we treat certain people different than others just based on random things because they look different. We can acknowledge the fact that we sit in judgment of ourselves and other people all the time. We can, we can look that in the mirror and we don't despair of it. Because Jesus has set us free to then seek to reconcile with others. To work to dismantle those systems and those, and those ways and institutions of injustice that we have played a part in and maybe we have even benefited from. So that we can show others the beauty that they are, the gorgeous, valuable, worthy of honor creation that they are. So this isn't just some theology that's up here in the sky somewhere, up in, up in some ivory tower in some theologian's head that maybe sounds good, you know, and it's this, it, maybe, it's, maybe it feels a little transactional or whatever, but it actually rolls out into our real life when we begin to own it for ourselves and begin to live a life of faith. And that's something that that here in our congregation that we seek to talk about and seek to try to do on a regular basis is to find ways to to help all of us see where it is that we can ask for forgiveness and receive it and where we can then reach out with Christ to others in love and hope and grace. Who is the Redeemer? It's Jesus, the eternal Son of God, in whom God became human and bore the penalty of sin for himself to set us and all creation free to live, to love, to give, to be reconciled, and to be ambassadors for Christ. Amen.